Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Saviour through your apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the, in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on, um, on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's words, um, word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godless lives. God, godly lives. Not godless. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I rebuke that in Jesus' name. <laughs> you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring out the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do with the other scriptures, to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning again. I didn't, didn't realise that I had the spiritual gift of clicking the clicker until just now. <laughs> uh, however, the song reminded me I shall not boast of any gift, power or wisdom, so I've already defeated myself by boasting in my spiritual gift. Uh, I'm not here to talk about spiritual gifts today. Um, one of the gifts that I didn't have in school while I'm on the subject, though, is sports. I was terrible at everything. I admired most of all the rugby players because they, they were just beasts of men and they used to walk around with those shoes on that made loud clicking sounds in the toilets as they were getting changed and they were enormous and uh, I admired them. But I played, I, I did ice skating 
um, <laughs> which was the most masculine of all the sports, and uh, I did hockey, of which I was terrible at, at both of those. Somehow, one day, I ended up accidentally, I don't know how, on the rugby pitch, playing rugby with the rugby players, and somehow the ball came to me. And uh, it was the first time I'd ever held a rugby ball. Um, but I remember that I saw the goalposts and nothing else. So I was running 100% as fast as I could toward the goalposts and I was aware of nothing else until Mitchell Bennett, who was one of the biggest players in the rugby team, landed on me from behind. And then um, I couldn't see the goalposts anymore. I could only see stars. Literally, I could only see stars. And I realised I'd applied the right strategy to the wrong sport. So the strategy of keeping fixed on the goal was a great strategy for a marathon. But it was a terrible strategy for rugby because I needed to be aware of Mitchell Bennett coming up fast from behind. And today, we're continuing to talk about this marathon this journey that we have as Christians, making it from here to our destination in glory. And what we're going to be looking at today in 2 Peter is the key to success, the key to getting there, making sure you make it all the way, is to stay focused on your destination. So in our first week, we looked at having the right equipment, and that was the promises of God given to us in the gospel, building on those to make sure, make our calling and election sure. And then last week, we said we've got to avoid those dangers along the way of people coming in with false gospels to lure us away from, uh, from the prize. And today, um, our hope, staying focused on our destination. Now, um, I don't know if you've ever uh, observed this like I have, but the, the, the final destination, our resurrection from the dead, the judgment day of God is not one of the things that uh, is kind of top of the list of Christian debate topics or Christian discussion topics, you know, when you have morning tea for someone. Are you ready for the judgment day? It's not kind of the first thing that comes out of your mouth. And if you've studied theology at all and you've got one of these systematic theologies where they go through all the different Christian topics, what you will always find is that what they call eschatology, the study of the last days, is at the end of the book. And, of course... You know, it sort of makes sense. The last things are at the end of the book. Uh, but in Christian thinking, the last things should not be at the back of our minds. The last things need to be at the front of our minds. Because the Christian hope is the Christian hope. There is no hope without our, our confidence in passing through God's judgment into, into glory. There's no Christianity at all without the day of judgment and the new creation. It's not just like, oh, well, the day of judgment and the new creation is an add-on. You know, there's the, there's the base model car where you've got uh, power steering, disc brakes, and then you can add on lane departure detection, uh, heat, heated seats, sunroof. And Christianity, you can, you can add on the, uh, the resurrection uh, of the body, the life everlasting. No, it is the base model there is no Christianity without a view of God's judgment and surviving that judgment, a vision, and the, and the confidence that we will pass through God's, God's judgment into the new creation. It's our goal, and we need to keep that 
in, a, in focus, in full view, as I did on the rugby pitch. So let's dive into 2 Peter chapter 3. And uh, at the beginning, we find Peter... Um, is this going to work? Yeah. He, uh, he gives them another reminder. He says, this is the second letter that I've written to you. And um, I'm trying to stir you up to wholesome thinking. And I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets, the command given by our, our Lord and Savior through your apostles. So um, he's reminding them again, second time, to wholesome thinking. That is, everything that's been passed, spoken in the past by the prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior. I'm not, he doesn't really spell out exactly what that is, but I think we can infer that the whole letter of 2 Peter is the content of which he is reminding them. That is, remember where you're going, remember the promises of God, avoid the dangers along the way, make sure you get there. And it's going to be particularly hard, he says, because in verse 3, you have to understand, scoffers are going to come in the last days. Now, the last days are the time from Jesus until Jesus, from Jesus ascension to his return that's what we call the last days it's not just a few days that haven't arrived yet because 2 Peter is written to people who lived in the last days and we too live in the same period he says that scoffers are going to come and they're going to be scoffing and following their own evil desires they'll say things like verse 4 where is this coming ever since our ancestors died everything goes on just as it did since the beginning it's all the same day after day. There's no second coming. I note that he says, following their own evil desires. So it's not that they've come to an intellectual conviction that there is no judgment. No. They have evil desires and they selectively choose the truth that lets them live and fulfill those desires. I had a friend uh, when I was working a long time ago and I was sharing the gospel with him, he was a salesman like me, he was my assistant when I was selling photocopiers and I used to share the gospel with him and it, there came a day when he said to me, I believe what you're telling me is the truth but I don't want to stop sleeping with my girlfriend so I'm not going to become a Christian. He was a perfect example of someone whose desires determined their doctrine. He said, this is what I want and therefore, this is what I'm going to believe. Now, these scoffers are going to come and do the same thing. They're going to deliberately, verse 5, deliberately forget something. Now, that's quite a feat, um, especially for women, I think, because women have memories that can remember everything. It's easy for me to deliberately forget something. I just have to not remember it, and then it's gone. But uh, for women, they have, much, have to really work hard at this. But anyway, these scoffers, they're going to deliberately forget that God's word made the heavens. So what are they forgetting? God has made a promise that he will judge the world. His word says, I'm going to judge the world. Now they deliberately forget that God also spoke the world into being. So the word of God is what made the world. And the word of God is what has reserved the world for judgment. So they, if, you know, if, you, they, if you get this, they, they divide God's word up. So they say, well, God's word doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything. But they're deliberately forgetting that actually this very world that God has preserved for judgment was created by God speaking. So you can, you can bet that the same word of God which promises the destruction of the world is trustworthy and powerful. 
He's already judged the world, to Peter says, by the flood in the days of Noah. And by the same word of God, it's kept for destruction by fire. So these scoffers are going to come. And Peter says, if you're not focused, solely focused on on your destination, they may intimidate you and you may lose your way. So keep focused and don't. Um, let them intimidate you. So um, when I was younger, about 18 years old, um, I got into a new sport um, since uh, ice skating and hockey weren't doing it for me. I got into weight training. And um, as you can see from my physique, I was as successful at weight training as ice uh, skating and hockey and rugby. I worked and worked and worked and nothing happened. Uh, but during my, those days, I read a book by Arnold Schwarzenegger, and uh, he's someone who was quite successful at bodybuilding. He became Mr. Olympia. And I was fascinated by the psychology um, that he talked about. He, he said that um, his upper body it was basically flawless, but he had this one weakness, which was his calf muscles. And people used to mock him about his calf muscles. They'd say, hey, toothpick legs and whatever. And so what he did was he deliberately exposed his calf muscles to maximize the scoffing and the mocking. Because that, for him, energized him and drove him to work harder and harder and harder. The more people scoffed and mocked him, the harder he worked. And he turned that into a victory and became Mr. Olympia and then Mr. Universe. Well, the judgment day, if you like, of God is our calf muscles. That's the part where people will mock us and scoff us and say, there's no judgment day. Look, it's been 2,000 years. Maybe God's forgotten. Well, no, don't be ashamed of the judgment day. Let it drive you to, to, uh, to strengthen your faith. Turn that mocking and scoffing into energy and cling to the promises of God. Don't let those who deliberately forget God's word take away your prize and your focus on the destination. All right, second thing that Peter tells us is not to confuse God's patience with amnesia. So you'll see in verses 8 to 10, he says, Don't forget this thing, dear friends, with the Lord. A day is like a thousand years, a thousand years like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, son, Some understand slowness. No, he's patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So God's perception of time is different to us. As some deep thinkers have have said, God created time, so he sits outside of time. So within the space of this meeting today, for God, it's like a thousand years, thousand hours God can accomplish an infinite number of things within this short period of time. And for us, what seems like millennia and millennia, thousands and thousands of years for God, it's like the blink of an eye. His perception of time is different to ours. And the end in verse 10 will still come like a thief. That is, no one will expect when Jesus returns and the heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth will be laid bare. That's the, real, that's the real global warming, isn't it, right there? 
you know, there is a, maybe a rising of the temperatures slowly, slowly, the Earth's getting a little bit warmer. How serious that is, people debate. But this is an instant warming of the Earth, which is of utmost seriousness. It is the day when God destroys the universe by fire. That's the day that is coming. That's the day that ought to have our attention, full focus and, and preparation. So don't get confused and think that, oh, well, it's been so long, maybe God has forgotten, maybe God's, uh, it's off the radar. Uh, no, it's just a blink of an eye between Jesus' first and second coming for him. Um, I saw uh, on YouTube once this MMA fight between a fully trained experienced massive martial arts fighter and a young down syndrome boy who i think was his first time in the octagon in the cage and um the down syndrome boy won and he was so excited at the end and of, of course the mma fighter was uh, limiting himself he deliberately um uh what we say um regulated his abilities so that he didn't kill the poor little guy in the octagon and uh, he was so delighted and uh, it was it was a real feel-good clip but it would be a grave mistake if I assumed that that fighter was fighting at full capacity and jumped into the octagon ring and thought I can take him on if the down syndrome kid can beat him then so can I I would have confused his kindness for weakness He was not being weak, he was being kind to that man. And we should not confuse God's patience with amnesia. God is patiently giving mankind, humankind, all of us, every living being, time to repent, Peter says. That's the whole point. He wants everyone to come to repentance. The timeline of God is not that he's asleep or suffering amnesia. The timeline of God is giving everyone an opportunity to be saved and to enjoy eternal salvation with us. And lastly, this is where the kind of ethical um, lesson or the ethical import of this study comes. Peter says to his, uh, his readers, so then, friends, since you're looking forward to this, Uh, Sorry, verse 11, since everything will be destroyed. And again in verse 14, since you're looking forward to this. So what kind of people ought you to be? He says you ought to live holy, godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. He says in verse 14, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless and at peace with God. The elements will be destroyed by fire, but he says, we look forward to a new home, a new heavens, and a new earth. A new heaven, a new earth in verse 13. So, friends, I just want to touch here on something that I think is quite important. That's that the Christian hope is for a physical new earth and new heavens. It's not that our souls will fly away and float around on the clouds with God. It's a robust, concrete, material 
resurrection and a new earth and a new heavens that go with it, a brand new universe. You can see that because the previous universe is destroyed by fire, the earth is laid bare, the elements are melting in the heat, and then God promises us a new earth and new heavens. So it's not that we wait for something less physical and less good and less material than this existence. We wait for something more than this existence, not less than existence. It's the home of righteousness. So it's everything that is beautiful and fantastic and glorious and enjoyable about the world that God made without the sin, without the corruption, without the death and decay and sorrow. But it's not less than the world we live in now. It's more. And Peter says the way to prepare for that future of yours and mine is to live it now. You're going to be a citizen of that new creation. Why don't you start living like a citizen now and start preparing for the transition? Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour. And he says, make every effort to be spotless, blameless and at peace with God when Jesus returns. I moved to Vietnam in 2009, uh, lived there for nine years, but for a few years before I went, I knew I was going to move to Vietnam. And so um, I started, uh, without really thinking about it, I started kind of transitioning. I started uh, eating Vietnamese food and uh, learning Vietnamese and trying to meet Vietnamese people and chat to them, which was a bit freaky for them because they're like, why is this white guy talking to me in Vietnamese? But um, for me, it was just a kind of a natural, well, I'm going to live there and I had no plans to come back, so I better start transitioning now and start, uh, you know, uh, modifying my life now so that it won't, won't be so, such a shock when I move there. Um, but, you know, I, I loved Vietnamese food and the, and the language was entertaining for me, so it wasn't a burden. It was just like natural, oh, this is great. I'm, I'm, I'm slowly becoming Vietnamese. Of course, there still was a big shock when I went there, but imagine how big it would have been if I hadn't done those things beforehand. Well, friends, you're not shortly going to Vietnam. You're shortly going to a new creation. And start preparing. Start transitioning. Start living now as you will be forever. This is just the last few days, the last few years of our life in this phase this this phase of our existence but the eternal phase is the one that we need to start living now if you think about this the future is actually the only thing that really exists your past is gone it's disappeared can't be changed can't be revisited the present is really only that that infinitesimally small point between the future and the past which actually doesn't really exist all that really exists about you is your future which is yet to come. That's what is real. That's who you are. That's who I am. We are people who belong to the future that God has promised us. And the time to start living that is now. You will be resurrected in the body. You will be sinless. You will be holy. You will be blameless and spotless and at peace with God. So isn't that a good way to live now? blameless, spotless, at peace with God? If there's anything in your life which is making you spotty, 
or making you blameworthy. I don't mean spotty in a physical sense, right? Like metaphorically spotty or, or blame, blameworthy. If there's, is there anything that's impeding on the peace that you ought to have with God through the Lord Jesus Christ? Then now is the time to get rid of it, clean it out. Start living as if this were the eve of your resurrection. My sister once posted on Facebook, if this was the last day of your life, what would you do? And the responses were fascinating, really interesting. Some people said, well, I'd just party because this is my last opportunity to sin before the judgment comes. Is that what we think? Or is it, no, this is the eve of my resurrection into sinless blameless, holy, righteous relationship with God in a new body. I'm going to live my resurrection life now. So, friends, um, the future is what we wait for. It should be at the front of our thinking. It might be at the back of time, who knows when, but it needs to be at the front of our thinking, the thing which governs our ethics, which secures our faith against the mocking and the false teaching and the and the and the uh the um what did he call the scoffers keep that focus um in front of you every day every morning when you get out of bed remind yourself i'm going to be resurrected i'm going to be holy and blameless spotless and at peace with god forever it could be today well start living start enjoying it Start making the most of whatever time we have between then, now and then. Thank you.